Would, dear listener, would that it was any other Thursday. A Thursday where, on the way home from work, you would pick up a kebab to share with your love, then spend the evening performing the horizontal monster mash until the cows came home. Some might say it was a fool's errand to adopt cows. Fools? Certainly. But errand? Perhaps not. Nor was it any other Thursday. It was a Friday. On this Friday, the 1st January of October, we see our hero, Joseph Grindpattern, climb into his motor vehicle to make his journey homewards. He would awake sometime later in an entirely different country with a paper note and crayon instruction. Dear listener, or elk reader, should you prefer, this is the tale of Joseph Grindpattern and the Mona Lisa Worm Releaser. Joseph awoke in a daze. Uh, what? Where am I? This isn't my house. He looked around for any conveniently located hints but found nothing other than a steering wheel, windshield and car radio. Eventually he discovered a note stapled to his forehead. Dear Jive Turkey. Well, that's certainly me. Dear Jive Turkey. Follow the instructions and no one need get hurt. You must find the Mona Lisa worm releaser. Acclimatise yourself to its contents and deliver them back to this spot before sunlight. Do this and you will awake in the comfort of your home. If you fail, we flail. Blimey. Joseph had never seen a flail, so naturally he was curious, as we all aspire to be. He clambered out of his motor vehicle and attempted to take in his surroundings. Quickly, he realised his coat pockets were too small, especially as one of them contained a semi-congealing two-person romance kebab, so opted to look at his surroundings instead. Eiffel Tower to his left... Arc de Triomphe on his right, miniature people surrounding him going about their normal, albeit miniature, lives. Oh no, my what weakness? Model villages of Paris! A specific weakness? Perhaps, but integral to the story, Joseph hurriedly scribbled his insurance details for the crumbled Bastille under the wheels of his Ford Fiesta, other kinds of Fiesta, are available, and walked through the hole in the wall implicitly made by his motor vehicle. Why the bloody hell is there a model village of Paris in the bloody centre of Paris? Joseph shouted towards the normal-sized Eiffel Tower. The tower just stared back at him in a profoundly French way. He presumed that a Mona Lisa worm releaser, along with whatever its contents were, would be within snorkelling distance of the Mona Lisa itself. He recalled from his misspent adolescence that the Mona Lisa tended to be situated at the Louvre. Hence all the France. Having apparently run over much of Paris already, he was more than familiar with its layout, so he began running towards the museum. Breathless, soon thereafter, he arrived at the shiny pyramid known internationally as the Louvre, but locally as, oh, that's where my taxes went. Good. Good. 
He stalked the exterior looking for an entrance, all too aware of his squeaky denim shoes. He became aware of a set of footsteps behind him, accompanied by some kind of torch, so he deftly jumped behind a bin in a tepid attempt at hiding. Psst. Hey, it's alright. Were you sent here by a note? Seriously, it's fine. I'm here to let you in. Standing up and wiping bin juice off his shins, he noticed the torch was held by a man in a security guard's uniform. Presumably some kind of security guard, or at the very least some kind of security guard uniform aficionado. Smiling, he ushered Joseph through the door marked personnel only. Joseph had learned not to question conveniences too hard and allowed himself to be ushered. Walking through the unlit corridors of the Louvre, the security guards struck up conversation. Once the striking had subsided, Joseph began talking. This is mightily convenient. Almost as if we'd planned it. How much do you know? I know that I need to find the Mona Lisa and look for a worm releaser and then take its contents back to my automobile. Fantastic. Well, I'm the Mona Lisa worm releaser lever revealer and I'm going to help you get hold of the contents of the Mona Lisa. It's pretty simple, really. You just need to use the key on the painting and we're good to go. Bugger, there's a key. He tried to recall the instructional note that used to cohabit his forehead, but recalled nothing about a key. You've had it all along, Joseph. In the kebab. Sort it out. Look, we're here. The guard was right. They were indeed in front of the Mona Lisa. Joseph was still unclear. I don't have any keys on me. Not even for my motor vehicle. All I have is this kebab. It began to dawn on him that perhaps the kebab was the so-called key. Pulling it out of his coat pocket, he paused, letting a congealed lump of lard escape floorwards. But it's all sticky and gross. You want me to use this as a key? Sarcastically, he thrust his former dinner into Da Vinci's masterwork. It was only in that moment that Joseph realised the importance of in the kebab. The guard's mouth dropped as Joseph began to realise the greasy atrocity he had committed. He was suddenly very aware of the key-shaped metal inside his hand meat. Solemnly, he removed his kebab from the portrait and prepared to apologise profusely, but before he was able, they both heard a profound clunk from the base of the wall. A lever had appeared. Chuff me, the Mona Lisa worm releaser lever. You know what to do, Joseph. Pull it. Joseph did so. A wooden clunk emanated from the Mona Lisa's visage as her face fell forward, still hanging to the frame by a hinge, while a motley crew of worms began to emerge. Vincent, Neil, and the rest. Joseph felt severely underwhelmed, even though the worms were all wearing cut-out-and-keep masks of the Mona Lisa. Okay, so there's some um, worms here. Now what? Gardington. What's that? <laughs> yes, sir. His work is done. Apply the lotion and return to your post. What the hell is a Gardington? Uh, hang on. Lotion? Never did introduce myself, did I? The guard offered out his shaking hand. Excuse the Parkinson's. Anyway, Gardley Gardington, Chief Security at the Louvre and Pawn to Shifty Underground Organisations. 
As Joseph removed his hand from Gardington's handly embrace, his vision dimmed and he slowly realised where the lotion was. He tried to remove the salve by frantically wiping his hands on his trousers, but to little avail, he wasn't wearing any. Then why am I wearing a belt? He felt the lotion begin to take its hold. You need to take these little chaps back to your car now. The lotion counteracts the worm's defence mechanisms of causing drowsiness. The lotion does have a side effect of drowsiness though, so you better get a wiggle on. Why are there so many of them? That's because of the Mona Lisa worm repeater. Look, sod off, arse. Sod he would. Arsily, Joseph scooped up the many worms into his lotiony hands and retraced his steps out of the Louvre. Outside, he began making his way to his automobile. He already knew how to walk, so he used the free time to focus on his journey. Why me? Why have I been handed this auspicious task? I've just about gotten over my fear of model villages of Paris, but I'm still deathly afraid of ninjas. Imagine that. One night of questing and I could have dealt with my two most inconvenient wigna... Coincidence, as they say, is a cray-ho. For out of the shadows emerged someone who was also terrified of ninjas. At least, that's what his business cards implied. Right, let's make this easy, yeah? I've been following you for a while. I know what you've been up to, and the simplest thing to do is just for you to hand over those worms. Wait, I'm confused. How come everyone in the middle of France is speaking English? The shadowy figure ignored the reasonable question and approached Joseph with his non-business card-holding hand open. I could have killed you the second you emerged from that model village and taken your place. That guard wouldn't have known the difference. I'm mightily glad you didn't, as it goes... Although, from your perspective, I imagine that wouldn't have made for such a compelling story. Joseph took a brief moment to contemplate solipsism and hope that the story wouldn't get any more meta. Luckily, the author wasn't that self-involved. Or was he? Inevitably, the shadowy figure lunged towards Joseph, who managed to sidestep and avoid the shadow-grabbing. Joseph could now make out the shadowy figure was dressed as a ninja, although the ninja costume seemed like it was made for a child, whereas... This was an actual adult man. Much of his arms and lower abdomen bulged out unfortunately from the costume. Maybe that's why he was afraid of ninjas. You don't understand, but please, I'm trying to help. Look, you don't know anything about the man who wrote your instructions. His name is Janet Crayola, and he's a bad man. Joseph considered what the ill-fitting ninja had said out of their mouth. Using his brain, he was able to assume that the individual he now knew to be Janet Crayola would be some kind of evil. Capturing a person and their car, throwing them into another country, and forcing them to collect worms? It doesn't sound like something a lawful good would do. However, his brain reminded him of a further consideration, which he voiced. Janet Crayola may well be a bad man, but do you have any way of getting me home? The ninja checked himself, presumably for any light aircraft he may have left on his person, but came up naught. I have to go. It's way past my curfew and my nan will take any excuse to beat me. It's important, though. He's going to use them to try and take over the world. Joseph watched the ill-fitting ninja skulk away, contemplating every potential outcome of the evening he could conceive of. Admittedly, there weren't many. He had very nearly exhausted what little intellect he had spare in the conversation with the ninja. That was the first time he'd had to think for himself in a while. Joseph 
much preferred instructions thrived on them in fact but before he knew it he was back outside of the model village with the hole in the wall he felt the drowsiness of the worm lotion flow over him once again calming but concerning at the same time like second-hand bath water shaking his head he became aware of a figure emerging from the car-shaped debris-laden hole in the wall about time joseph recognized the voice of this betrench coated man although his voice was much less radio-y than when he'd heard it before in the museum. He knew this encounter could be troublesome, although he hadn't entirely trusted the ill-fitting ninja, he did trust his warnings regarding this gentleman who he assumed, correctly, to be Janet Crayola. Joseph had a diploma in diplomacy, and this was the time to use it. He also had a B-Tech in B-Technology, but this was neither the time nor the place. He chose his words carefully. What about time? Janet Crayola visibly squinted at the stupidity. Give me back my pets. Joseph had a lot of questions by this point, and who could blame him for closing in on the end of his tether? These things were his pets? Why are they wearing masks? Why couldn't he get his own pets? Why was everyone in Paris speaking English? He voiced each query in order. Yes, to protect their identity, because I have been banned from the Louvre for peeing in the sink, and because the author's never been to France. I can't give these to you unless you promise not to take over the world. Idiot. They're not really taking over the world. That's just my Tumblr blog. It's a fan fiction about my pets, and I need them for the photo shoot. You've been talking to that ninja cretin, haven't you? He's just annoyed because I don't reply to his comments. That was the dumbest thing Joseph had ever heard. Yet somehow, he was the idiot. He scooped the worms out of his pocket and handed them to Janet Crayola before walking towards his car and sitting down, feeling another wave of exhaustion wash over him. He closed his eyes and got comfortable, but as soon as his scalp touched the headrest of the driver's seat, his eyes opened to the dim garage light he recognised from home. Oddly refreshed, he opened the car door and noticed the damage repaired and the paint repainted. Joseph Grindpattern made his way upstairs and lay down on his side of the bed, carefully so as not to awaken his wife, and went to sleep. He let her sleep because he couldn't face her inevitable questions just yet. The next morning he would wake to a head full of memories, but generally nothing learnt following his experience. Nothing except that kebabs don't smell any better the morning after. Maybe if he'd lived a little, he would have known that already. Thank you.